All right, welcome back to the Solar Surge podcast. Hey, if you're new to the Solar Surge podcast, on this program we meet with the top CEOs and the top thought leaders, technology leaders in the solar and energy storage space. And in today's episode, I have a special guest for you. Stephen Ryan is the founder and CEO of Conveyor. And he's helped some of the largest names in solar build, recruit, and onboard their sales teams. We're talking about companies like Legacy Power, Vivint, Cutco. Uh, and he's been doing this for over a decade. And so, Stephen, welcome to the Solar Surge podcast. I'm really looking forward to uh, having this conversation with you today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Well, Stephen, as you know, the, the environment that we're operating in in 2023, especially the back half now of 2023, is very different than what, what I've seen at any other time that I've been in the solar industry. It seems that the entire last decade that I've been doing solar we've been in a constant growth mode. You know, there's just been constant, consistent year-over-year -year growth. And really, you know, for the first time, maybe the last six to nine months, I'm seeing th things are really slowing down. Companies are struggling to grow their sales teams or to, or to prevent their sales teams from, from dwindling. I've, I've heard of folks that are leaving solar and, you know, going back to some of the other more traditional sales industries like pest control and alarm systems. So, Stephen, what's your take on kind of the, the state of the solar sales market in 2023, and what do you think companies are going to need to do to remain competitive? The, the things that I'm seeing, I'm still seeing a, a big amount of growth in companies, uh, in solar companies that have, uh, as far as growth of their team size, um, when they have a very strong offer, a very strong um, a product so they can they can back up those reps right and so that's kind of like their legs when it comes to um their offer when they're offering an opportunity you know for the role so some of the the honestly some of the companies the bigger companies uh as you saw we saw like a fragmentation where lots of uh small teams and orgs were out you know building their own uh they were they were leaving the mothership right and then going to build their own org uh and now we're seeing a lot more of the consolidation back and we're seeing more recruiting the, the bigger guys that have been around um, are are just like pedal to the metal with regards to the number of recruits. Um, what I suggest is always finding to be competitive with those with those people. If you're still trying to be say um, you know same business model you had before, is just find ways to lower the cost per recruit uh, deeper into your funnel. So ways to get more efficient with with how you're going to onboard, more efficient with how you how you train. Um, and, and the tasks and the things that you do to retain reps. If you can do that, then you lower the bar for what it would, the investment for putting dollars into recruiting. Um, because I don't think people really, really calculate the full cost of a recruit. Um, they think maybe top of funnel. Um, what does it cost to get in, get a you know job board lead? Um, but they don't really think about like the full life cycle of that person and how much time and energy their team is putting into. Uh, launching and training that person. So, if they can lower, if they can re lower the bar in terms of cost, they can they can de still be competitive with those other team other teams that are have consolidated a great deal. Great, great. Well, I know that's one thing we're all looking at is ways we, we can reduce costs and increase po profitability. But what are some of the things? Because I, I talk to a number of sales reps that have come from larger sales orgs, and um, you know, one of the things that I hear a lot is that, well, I'm just not getting the support I need. I'm just not getting the, the training that I need to really be successful. So what are some of the areas where the, where the sales rep experience suffers, you know, as an organization scales up? 
Yeah, so the, the biggest one is, it, is it, it touches all areas of the life cycle of a rep, whether it be learning about the opportunity or getting into the company and being onboarded or trained. The biggest, the, as you scale up in these bigger companies, they start to silo each one of those departments because it makes sense. So you, you get a department, you scale up that department. Uh, recruiting gets more corporate. They hire, they bring in more people that actually don't have experience typically with like 1099 based reps and, and recruiting those types of people. And so they come with an experience of how to recruit when you have a W-2 employee that is like a tenured employee that's going to be with you for a long time. And so they scale up, then HR and the onboarding kind of picks their own products and starts building out their own HR processes. And then you've got a training team, each one of them doing their own thing. What suffers the most though, and that they can't see is the rep experience. And so I like to commonly bring in a, a correlation of like a customer experience. So, I mean, what's the cycle when we work with a product? We like the ones that are smaller um, and we like how approachable they are and they have quick service and I can call them or I can chat with them on their website. And then as they get bigger and bigger as an enterprise company, that becomes harder and harder to do. So if you think about that in, in, in your solar business, how am I how am I growing into becoming one of those, you know, enterprise juggernauts and reducing the holistic rep experience, like making it worse? Um, and so we're just always saying, like, look at look at the rep experience as if that rep was your customer, and what would that experience be like for them? And really map it out. So do an audit, like just write down all of the steps that a rep goes through, and where do they get the email? Where do they get the text? Um, where do um, what, what, when would they know what expectation they have on them and see how bad it is and then work backwards to make that a better experience. Makes sense. Makes sense. Well, I know a lot of what you've been working with some of the larger sales teams in is, is really how, how can you leverage technology to, to automate a lot of this, but still keep, you know, still keep the sales rep experience high and consistent so ultimately, they, they can be successful. I mean, I think that's one of the, the frustrating things with a lot of new sales reps in our industry is if, if, they can't, if they can't sort of hit a groove within the first three months, maybe six months, they end up just quitting and going to doing something else. I mean, they, they just mm -hmm. can't afford, many of them just can't afford to figure it out for too much more than 90 days. If they're not in a groove yeah. and, and selling deals and getting commissions inconsistently, sure. they, they just have to move on to something else. So, so what is your approach to how you use technology to help automate this sale or automate the, the, the sales rep development process, but still keep that experience high so that they can hit the ground running or, or really be, be productive as, as soon as possible. Yeah, you know, this, you know, this is actually an area of contention, to be honest, was, is finding that fine line between automation and scaling and growing a team. And then the opposite of that is keeping that you know, personal approach, keeping a connection to a district manager or an area director or you know, the person that brought them into the business or whatever. And it, it, there's different camps. Like some are just like, I see the value of automation. We're scaling so, we have so many inbounds recruits that are interested in our opportunity that we're just gonna automate everything. And if we lose some people through the pipe, fine. Um, the right people will stay if we have the right message and everything. Uh, and then there's people that are just like, no, I want it to be phone calls during the recruiting process. I want to do individual iMessage. I'm going to text 300 people in an iMessage. Um, and I think if you split it up and really go, what do people really want? Um, well, like what does a rep really want? What does a customer really want? And I think about Amazon. So I don't know about you, but like the last time I actually 
got on Amazon and put in a support ticket was never. So, um, <laughs> right. and you know, like we don't want that. And so most people really don't want personal touch when it comes to support or have to get in inter- like talk to somebody to schedule an interview. Um, most of them don't want to wait two hours or, you know, two days to get a recruiter to follow up with them via phone call. They want to just hear about the opportunity now. And if it makes sense, move forward. Um, I, uh, and so it's splitting those up. If you just split those up and say, make everything as convenient as possible through automation, but then don't be the automaton that when somebody replies to your text message, no one's there to respond to it. No one's there to, you know, to resolve the issue. No one's there to say, Hey, this guy needs special treatment because of this case, let's get him the things that he needs. Um, and no one's auditing, um, the automation, meaning the automations are going out, but they're not working to, um, to optimize those. And they're also not, they're trusting their own sauce too much. So I highly suggest set up as much automation as you can, but put in opportunities in your automation to pulse your reps. So you were talking about, Hey, I got three months to really see an aha moment in this role before I'm going to nope out of this role and go somewhere else. Are you putting in your automation points where you're like pulsing that rep? Are you saying how confident right now do you feel about this place in this role? Um, you know, on a scale from one, kind of like an ENPS score. Um, and how do you, how do you feel about that? Pulse them, um, and set up alerts to the management to say, Hey, these people are not confident in this role. How are you going to cut them off at the pass? and make sure that, they, um, that they're taken care of and you can, you can save them, right? Because there's a lot of them that are pretty good. They might even be producers and they're still thinking about leaving, leaving right? So um, I think that automation is offense and then these pulsing and these, these points in your automation can be a defense um, section where you're, you're looking to save and arrest um, the byproduct of, of potential automation. Does that make sense? Makes sense. Makes sense. I mean, what what I'm hearing is you want to automate to the extent possible, but you still want to be uh, you still want to be engaging and and be accessible when when needed. You know, to have that human touch. Yeah, for <clears throat> sure. Makes sense. Now, <clears throat> you know, in light of recent technology developments, you know, AI is probably one of the big trends or buzzwords mm-hmm. this year. You know, how how has the introduction of uh, artificial intelligence changed? how your software platform works. I'm just curious, you know, are you seeing many benefits or is this more of just a a trendy term but not not a whole lot of practical impact for us here? What are your thoughts? I think it has a huge amount of of, um, impact, potential impact. Uh, One of the things that, so we are right now, like we just rolled out this big thing called workflows and it's more of like building out exactly how you want your journey, your rep journey to be. Um, And it doesn't use any AI. So in some senses, like that will still stay. I think everybody still needs to, there's kind of this throw the baby out with the bathwater type of thing going on where it's like, let's skip just being intentional about our automation because AI will solve all of it like in the future. And, <laughs> and it just, hey, if we just wait six months, then we'll just have this smart agent that goes in and talks to the rep and tells them about the opportunity and kind of just deferring it. I think that's the wrong approach. Um, the AI is only as I'm sure you've used, you know, ChatGPT, you know, before or some AI. I don't know what you're, but it it's really good when you're hyper intentional about what you're putting into it. It's only as good as your intentionality. And if you don't have intention around what you want your business to look like or the rep experience to look like, it won't. You can't master it. 
Um, you can't just throw like, hey, be good at recruiting. <laughs> um, and so the first thing is still coming with a plan and, and having intention. Um, where I think AI is going to have a big, um, a big impact is in, in how we think about training. So right now we think about training in the DDD space. We see a lot of front-loaded training. So like Solar 101, train all you need about the product, train about sales, you know, all these different things. And I think the biggest thing that's going to change is that instead of teaching somebody to fish so much, you're going to say, hey, this person, this AI, he's a fishing master, and he's going to sit in the boat with you. So what I'm going to train you on is how to basically ask this AI sitting in your boat how to fish right when you need to fish at that point. So that's kind of an abstract of saying, you're going to be teaching people how to be prompt engineers. That's really what it's going to be. Because all of your content is going to be wildly accessible. So, I mean, imagine somebody walking from one deal to the next, and they're just going, hey, this is the challenge I had on my last door uh, or last experience. What would you do here? How to ask for it? And it's just making them aware of the fact that that content is there and getting the appropriate mm. answer right at that moment. It's going to remove the I think it'll actually accelerate the ability to get uh, reps up, up to speed because so much of it, there's so much front-loading going on with training. And the reason why we front-load, and I'll make it short, but we front-load because the, because the accessibility of that content is, uh, at the time you need it, is actually pretty bad. It's actually pretty hard because you still have to pull out your phone and search and find it and then read it and contextualize it to the thing that happened today. And so we front load it because the best thing we can use is like, let's just make sure it stays in their mind and they, it might stick. Uh, and so I think that's the biggest thing that's going to happen in AI. And so we're trying to make that move towards um, less front loaded training and more focused on um, contextual answers with the right video and the right content when you need it. I really only think, this is my opinion, especially when you're revamping your training, um, if I only need to get a customer in a, in a sales funnel trained enough or educated on my product enough to have an aha moment to then want to go, yes, I'm into this product and I want to do the trial and I'll wait the time. So going back to that three-month person, you know, you have three months to, to really, I really only need to train them to the extent where they have that aha moment where they're like, this is my, this is my thing, this is my container, I, my, my goals can be met here. And then once you have that, then you double down on more training. Um, but I think too many people front load all of it, expecting that person to be like the consummate trainer or trained rep, when I just, I think that's too much. So Stephen, that, that's great. And that certainly makes a lot of sense what you're saying theoretically. But for, for firms that have implemented your solution, which is the, the conveyor solution, what could they expect to see in terms of impact on, on their numbers, in terms of retention, sales volume, recruiting uh, volume, what, what's kind of the before and after story here? Just a quick word from our sponsor, Savant Power and the Savant Energy Management System. If you're considering an investment in a solar plus storage system, then you're gonna to wanna to have maximum visibility and control of how much energy you're harvesting, how much energy you're storing, and how that energy is being distributed within the home. The new Savant Power System allows you to dynamically control which circuits are on and which circuits are off, depending on battery state of charge, allowing you to extend your battery running time during a blackout. The system also includes an integrated electric vehicle charger, allowing you to charge directly from solar or from the grid or a combination of both. So if you'd like to learn more information, you can visit the Savant Power website 
or click the link in the description below so that you can get in touch with an installer right away. Yeah, before and after, so it, it kind of is like tale of two, two cities. Uh, you've got uh, large companies using our platform that are really focused on, on the conversion metrics uh, and just getting better results at like a high scale. And then you've got the smaller companies say that they're recruiting and onboarding training, like say 100 people a month or something, or they're trying to recruit 100 or touching 100 potential recruits. So I will say that, uh, let's start with the smaller end. Um, so much time and energy, you know, 20 hours a week with the team easily is spent on manual onboarding processes, um, uh, training, like so you have this cyclical training, you're constantly recruiting reps and they're coming in and, you've, and I've talked to people that have wanted to do a DDD play and they got eaten up in this space, which is, I've got these new people trickling in and I'm constantly re, you know, doing repetitive training with these folks to get them, get them on the door. You have experience of like getting rid of that, right? With, with your own, with your, own your, your own courses and training. Um, but a lot of them are still doing so much of that over Zoom or in person. I mean, I just talked to one where they've got 10 or, or a whole week worth of in-person training. And the very first thing is we help buy back the time of those owners and those leaders. Um, so that they actually want to go out and recruit because they're gr they don't want to grow into pain. They don't want to go get more recruits because of the onboarding. So the tactic, right, with the training phase is um, set up a system for turning trickled-in recruits into cohorts. So we get everybody, to, we set expectations on the platform, we send out text messages to get them into the, the portal, um, we build expectation with them that they're going to be ready and have, they're going to be ready to pitch at boot camp or, or next week in person. They, they understand the role better. They understand, you know, how the sale works. They get all of that expectation stuff and that baseline stuff out of the way. And the person that comes in on Thursday uh, or Monday is going to have till next Monday. And the person that comes on Thursday, frankly, just has till Monday. So it turns all of the, that trickle into a cohort that can launch together. Um, and then you launch them together and then you can do follow-up long tail training with that cohort digitally. So all of this is really around um, reducing the time spent on their leaders, buying back their time, getting them more excited about getting recruits first. Like that's the key first step before you go get more recruits. Um, and then um, when they're actually having that time at the meetings, what I've been told is, now we're only spending time handling objections and concerns, um, you know, uh, building relationships. Uh, like, it's not covering the baseline stuff anymore. It's all taken care of. Everybody's on the same page. So that's a big tactic, uh, buying back time. For, for, a, for a company that's much larger, um, it really comes down to hygiene factors. Like, they're not really large companies. Um, they're using systems that are, aren't really designed for 1099 base reps that are out in the field and they've got thousands of people in the field and they're not getting that to the, con getting the content to the people's devices on the edge of the network, so to speak, uh, fast enough. Mm. Uh, they're not getting them to complete it fast enough. Um, it's locking them out of their point of sale systems. It's, it's bad. So at the big level, it's really around just doing it exquisitely at a huge number where you're sending out training to, you know, five, 10,000 reps at a time. So as far as tactics on recruiting um, and onboarding, um, we see one of the best tactics for growing a team is making it stupid easy for 
a rep to share and sneeze the opportunity to somebody else. And it's like, yeah, 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 that sounds like we already do that. We give them um, a way to tell them about the role. But I'm talking about making it where um, one rep can share a QR code or just plug in the you know, friend's information. They get credit automatically. It tracks that, that reference, uh, that affiliate. Automatically sends out a nurture sequence to that new potential recruit, explains the opportunity, qualifies them, nudges them if they don't schedule an interview. And that, me as a, a sales rep, I should not have to think about any of the follow-up after. It might be cool to see a report saying where those people are, but I should not be doing that. And I don't see that really um, being installed in small companies um, uh, when, the, when it really isn't, it's pretty approachable to do, um, to get that in place. So getting reps from other reps is, the context is so much better than recruiting from Indeed. Like the, they're already, just from having a single conversation from somebody that's already being successful in the role is gonna be wildly different, like how they think about the role moving forward. I think everybody can understand that phenomena. So um, that's a big one is building out PR, we call them PR campaigns, personal recruit campaigns. Um, and then um, that same campaign can be used for your, your top of the line uh, experience for bringing in like job board leads or Indeed leads. Um, Another thing that keeps that we see is um, there's a big difference between recruit order taking uh, and actually selling uh, recruits. So you mentioned earlier people are looking people are looking at other opportunities in different places like Pest um, or uh, other companies trying to find the best opportunity, and it's very uh, common for a uh, a new applicant to actually be shopping around a different. Uh, 1099 base roles at the same time. And it is not, I don't consider it recruiting to essentially look through a bunch of applicants, look at the ones that look good, say that they're like, yes, I'm, I, I, I will do 100% commission and I'm willing to knock doors and use, I want the job as like the number, or I'm willing to do that as the number one way you follow up. That's not sales, that's just like basically the people that book a demo because they've already heard about the product, your product, and they want to buy it. That's not actually like nurturing a lead. And so what we recommend is going way up, way up in the funnel and bringing applicants in and really setting the hook, um, setting that hook really deep early, early on with, with some great sizzle, great salesmanship about your opportunity, then qualify and do that all with automation. And so it's like a, a great sales funnel, basically. And it's, it's just it's a much different approach than, okay, we got a bunch of applicants, let's sift through them and see the ones that look good on paper. Interesting, yeah. No, I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense. And uh, I believe it was, it was a book entitled Scaling Up. It was a business book I read a few years ago. It was talking about how you know, the, the best high-growth companies, they leverage their marketing team to, to attract recruits into the business to the same level that they, they use marketing to attract customers into the business. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's exactly That's what right. we're talking about here is, is a systematic, automated recruit funnel, right? In, in this case, your leads are potential sales reps, not potential solar homeowners, but it's the same concept, right? Is you you want to take somebody who might be somewhat mildly interested in the idea of being a solar rep and get them to, to a point where they are very interested and willing to commit to, you know, hey, I'll give this a shot. I'll learn how to do it, and, and, I'll, and I'll participate in this for you know, three or six months or whatever it is. Yeah, and the mistake I see is um, 
like I was talking about with departments, each individual department doing its own thing, um, they miss out on like the sinew or the things that can happen between the conversions of recruiting and onboarding, blurring the lines between that rep experience. So the best type of experience is actually selling and positioning your opportunity through the onboarding experience. I'll give you an example. When you're collecting shirt size or swag size, your hat size, your shoes, whatever, you're collecting that information as a form field, that could be a stodgy HR process or it's just a form, or it could have like a quick little 20 second video that talks about your competitions and, and shows a testimonial or some of your existing reps like jumping around or whatever, and then collects that information. And people ask, well, what's the best training experience? I said, the best training experience is you've already set the hook of, I'm so bought in that if I didn't even get training from this company, I'd go to YouTube and learn how to sell solar because I'm so bought into this, this opportunity, right? And then it's like, is, tra is training your problem or is belief your problem? And so it's really actually a psychological funnel all the way through so that the, the person has the right context so that when they do the training, they're like really intently looking to absorb it, right? Uh, and that's right. what I'm talking about. It's like yep. really owning, because your conversion, yes, conversion of getting a re, an applicant is a conversion. Your real conversion is all the way through the funnel when they are in a m mindset where they want to do the role. Because okay? we know how many you lose from onboarding to being on the job and, and don't and you know don't do the work. So Yeah, no no, you're you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. I mean you, you have got you have got to get get the sales rep sold on the idea that they can actually do this and that this will actually get them help get them to a, a, a lifestyle or a position in their career where they want to go. Uh, you're you're absolutely right about that. And it's tough because I mean, you know, it's it's an industry full of salespeople. We're great at putting together a story and getting getting you excited about doing what we want you to do. Um, but the reality is a lot of people are having success here, and I think, you know, to the extent we can convey that to the new applicant, uh, it'll, again, get them, get them more bought in on really investing in their own, their own development so they can do the job at a high level. Mm -hmm. so, so, Stephen, what are, what are some of the mistakes that you see, you know, when, when doing directly onboarding for new sales teams? What are some of the pitfalls to avoid? Yeah, um, and I'll try to be concrete with these mistakes. I covered a lot of like you know what I see people doing well, so I'm, I, it's easy for me to just mention the things that are like the opposite of that. But um, so some of the some of the mistakes I see is um, messaging is a big mistake. Meaning during that whole funnel, recruit, onboard, train, retain funnel, um, they're getting um, tons of disparate messages um, from different people. So. What, what I'm, the, basically the essence of the problem is you're not creating like a linear experience or an interface for that recruit to, to focus on. Um, so that looks like, okay, this recruit's sending a text message, then this person that's at corporate is sending a text saying, hey, we need to get your I-9. And then this person's like, hey, it's great, I'm your manager and I'm really excited to get you on. Have you done all the things? And like, yes, I just did those things. And so you're getting, you're getting hit it up and the whole time the rep's going, is this how it's always gonna be? Is this how my experience is going to be? Like, huh? Oh, you know? And then that, that erodes some of their belief to do the rest of the, the role. Um, another uh, issue I see um, with regards to mistakes is um, not putting most of the experience in one place if you can. So it's the, kind of the same thing as like getting multiple messages. But I believe if you can, 
You know, you're sending a DocuSign via email and then they're going to this thing and they're seeing this other brand. Like, is DocuSign the company? That sounds crazy, but that's actually come up. Like, how is DocuSign related to my company? Am I, do I need to go sign up for this? And they get this. So, so what, you can, what you can do to put guardrails and put, you know, kind of blinders on this person going through your process um, is, is key. So creating a unified experience. And to that extent, though, blinders and putting too many blinders is another mistake. And what I mean by that is not, um, not addressing potential objections that a rep has early on or making them weary and thinking that there's, there'd be dragons around the corner um, if they stay in this process. Like they're always looking, especially this day and age, they're always looking for a reason to nope out of the process so that they can go back to finding the right opportunity. So upfront object, like upfront objection handling and what do they call it? Like early contracting. We're like, Hey, big digital bear hug. This is how your onboarding experience is going to go. It doesn't take that long. It'll only take you this many minutes. This is what we're going to do now. Let's do it. And that's that, that assumption that, that they are just going to stay around is made all the time. And there's, there's, there's no, like you are here. It's going to be okay. We'll get through this process these are the expectations I have you, this is what we're going to cover. And now let's go through it in a linear fashion. So it's kind of like a balance of telling them enough so that they don't get weary and look for the, the edge cases, but also keeping them on a linear path. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. So what are, what are some of the other mistakes that you've seen when, uh, with teams directly onboarding uh, sales reps? Yeah. Um, so, uh, another mistake I see is not using, and I talked a lot about this and I know, but I'm, I'm a big believer on it in the onboarding process, in the, in the recruiting onboarding training, I, I split onboarding up to just the, the nuts and bolts of getting that person badged up and collecting their information and then training separately. But, um, they, they purely see it as a training exercise and they don't see it as a culture uh, context, belief building exercise. Uh, and I think it's actually needs to be more heavily that than it actually needs to be training. Because if you don't get that, then you didn't align with like the whiffum of that rep, what's in it for me. Um, and so they're talking again, they're talking to a wall. Um, and, and they're just clicking through it really quick. They're not actually trying to learn. There's no reason to, cause I'm just trying to see if I think you know what I mean. And so, um, the way like mistakes are, not including, uh, not including any testimonial videos from their existing reps, not including any examples of a reps overcoming a challenge. Okay. Uh, not being just frankly, just not being a, a real person in video format where, you know, it's okay to write, take a selfie video and just do a little selfie. Like, Hey, um, I'm really excited to have you on. This is what's going really well in our company. These are some things we're going to be working on. People are looking for ways where you're not like a transparent or you're spinning me. Don't spin me. Um, mm -hmm. And so that's a big mistake is just um, assuming that you got them, like assuming that you got them in the onboarding. That is a W2 like corporate type of mentality, which is this person, you know, looked at a whole bunch of roles. They picked our role and we kind of can have a crufty process now because uh, you know, because they're bought in, like they're, they're going to work for our company for a long period of time. Um, 
And, and so that's a, that's a big mistake. Another big mistake I see is um, not giving, this is kind of for veterans, but not giving the, your middle level management the tools necessary for them to stay in touch with their team, um, recruit more people in a systematic way. Uh, and I see that's a big area of desire and weakness in, in the D2D space, in the solar space. Uh, is that like their middle level management, they're all using like Excel sheets and phone, you know, their phone to talk to like a list of reps that right. might want to do the role. And then they're like, oh, I need to follow up with that guy. Did I put him on my calendar? All that stuff. When you should, uh, the company should lead that effort and uh, make systems and tools for your managers to not have that pain. Because again, it's an opportunity for them to grow into pain and no one wants to do that give them the tools necessary for them to plug people in and get that person alerts on the next pizza night they have or <laughs> next event. Um, and that's a big mistake I see. It's just kind of like, hey, you figure it out. Okay, Steven. So I just have another question for you regarding field support. You know, once we actually have reps onboarded, they're onboarded, they're trained, they're, they're out there doing the job, um, how can you best leverage technology and communications to really make sure that you're providing an excellent level of field support? Yeah, so... Uh, we we work heavily with text messaging as the the key messaging format you know for working with reps out in the field supporting them in our platform um, but it actually starts with like a culture shift or or some 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 policy changes so the first one is um, you got you have to be strict on telling all of your middle management and lead, leaders that if you have something other than what's in our like context to our us working together. You should. You need to text. You need to text this person, or you can personify your number uh, on your platform. So let's say you have a texting platform or a ticket system. Um, we personify it, so we'll give it a name like Emma or something like that, um, and say, "Hey, you just need to text support or or the the team." And it's really getting your managers to buy into the idea that these people will be taken care of if they all send them to the same place. And th what the goal here is that. Um, by doing that, it just bubbles up to corporate or bubbles up to the you know, central place. These are the things that are occurring across all reps, and we can address these more proactively. If you don't have that, you're blind to it. So all of your, your middle-level management people are just handling these on a daily basis, they're, they're quietly and silently. You're like, good, make them do it. Well, no, don't make them do it because <laughs> that means that they can't be focusing on building relationships and driving sales. They're answering and solving these little issues. Um, their job should only be, again, building relationships, building the team, um, you know, co uh, coaching reps versus handing like administrivia and individual questions. Um, and then they're never going to report that back up very well or in an articulate manner to corporate. So getting them to first degree, I'm not going to, you need to go talk to them. Next thing is, um, as you work through, if you audit your rep journey, especially after they launch. So what would happen? Um, they're going to go do this and then they're going to go do this. Build a, like a little story, just write it out. Like maybe just audio it. This is what their first day is going to be like. And then think about all the places where your training doesn't have an answer. I know this sounds like a lot of work, but it really isn't too, too hard to just go through and say, they're going to ask about this. They're going to ask about this. Make some canned responses and give it to your field support team. Like make ticket responses or canned replies. Better yet, don't be reactive at all and put it into your proactive training. 
So a lot of it is just mitigating the need for a reply in the first place. Um, and then the one of the areas I feel like is sticky with support is not having the right person assigned to their conversation. So uh, you know it's all going to one place, and you're not properly assigning those inbound conversations to the right people to resolve it more quickly. Um, so if you can get that dialed in, that's that's really helpful. Um, another one, a little tip is proactively text the, hopefully the same number that you're using for recruiting and onboarding and training the rep is the same one that you're doing field support for. But if not, make sure you're proactively sending a text message out to that person say, this is your line. Here's a CSV card of all of the information about this person. Store it in your phone. Okay? Uh, and so you proactively get them to put it in, the, in their device. Um, and then educate them on some prompts on, on how they can, like educate the customer, AKA your rep, on how to properly ask for help. So this can be done in training. So in training, you're just putting in like, okay, when you have a question about um, a rescinded deal or something like, something like that, this is how you wanna give us the information about the customer. How to, like train them how to help themselves. Makes a lot of sense. Well, Stephen, obviously you've been doing this for you know, many, many years. You're, you're an expert in the space. Um, for those that are out there watching this that are interested in growing their sales teams, whether it's with recruiting, onboarding, training, um, retaining, uh, if they're interested in working with you or, or in working with your, your uh, platform, where, where should they go? Where can they learn more? Yeah, just go to our website. It's conveyor, so C-O-N-V-E-Y-O-U-R. So it's kind of like the two words, convey your, put together. Um, and you can book a demo with us there. Uh, we also have a huge video gallery um, that kind of explains not just content about our product or do his demos, but also goes into a lot of our content like this, Joe, um, that can help them think about their, their, their process and their journey. So um, our podcast is The Rep Journey, um, and you can find that on our website as well. Excellent. And we'll be sure to get links down in the description below as well as far as getting to your website and to your podcast as well. Uh, again, folks, this has been Stephen Ryan, co-founder, CEO at uh, Conveyor, and uh, just an, an expert on growing uh, whether you need to recruit, train, onboard, or retain your sales team, he's the expert in that space. So, Stephen, thank you for uh, spending some time with us on the podcast this afternoon, and uh, I look forward to catch up with you again at uh, one of the future industry events. Thank you, Joe. Thank you so much. All right. I hope you're getting some great value from today's video content. Now, if you would like to have your product or your business or technology featured on the Solar Surge channel, Feel free to reach out to us at the link below so you can set up a call with our media team to talk about your marketing goals and how Solar Surge can help you get there. Solar Surge is the leading online community in the US residential solar and energy storage space. And so if you'd like to get your product, business, or technology in front of our audience, we can help you do that. Uh, again, feel free to reach out to our media team at the link below or email media at solarsurge.net.